Welcome to Carrickfergus Vineyard, a place of hope where lives are changing. We're a church in the heart of Carrickfergus, passionate about seeing people's lives changed by the love of Jesus. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. Good morning. Lovely to see you all this morning. Um, If we haven't met before, my name's Kate and I'm part of the team here. Um, It's so lovely to see you this morning and um, hear your old chirpy voices. Um, So it's only been in the past year that um, being in my 40s has really hit me. Um, I've been wearing glasses for about 30 years because I'm short-sighted. But now I'm having to take them off to read things. Oh, Brian, you, you, you definitely sympathise. Who said you're getting old? Oh. Right, Gail, your name's going down on the list. Um, and like, I'm having to take them off to look up close at things or to, I need to get better light for seeing this is um, what's going. And my focus in my eyes doesn't just happen anymore. It's like I have to think about it. Um, oh, I'm actually reading something. I need to put a bit of effort into it. But the best present Dave has ever given me was this Christmas. He got me this thing here. Have you seen this? <laughs> this neck light. Uh, look at this. Look at this. For when I'm reading, you can have different levels of light. You can have a soft light. That's the best present I've ever got. Yes, it is. Look. It's very practical. It helps you when you're doing all types of craft and stuff, as I'm always doing or reading. Um, but basically, like this neck light, um, yes, there's white light in it. There's soft light. It's brilliant. Um, like this neck necklight I sort of see Lent as a bit of a tool um, for us to get a clearer perspective on Jesus to help us focus on who he is. Lent is the six-week period in the church calendar leading up to Easter and beginning on Ash Wednesday which is this Wednesday Valentine's Day it's traditionally been made up of three elements It's been made up of fasting, giving um, up something to make space in our lives for Jesus. Um, It's then to help us focus, taking up a spiritual practice to help us focus um, on Jesus in that space that we've created. And then it's about freely giving, giving away what we have received to help the lost, the last, the least in our communities and further afield. And this Lent, we would like to invite you to consider Jesus over these next six weeks, using the tools um, from the Lent toolbox to help sharpen our focus um, on Jesus. And in the newsletter, which I'm sure you've all read and digested, um, we, which we have emailed to you, we've outlined some tools that you could use, like the Lent devotionals. Um, there's a few suggestions there from, from myself and others in our church that are 40 days of readings that we could bring um, into our practice on the um, approach to Lent. And we've also outlined ways to freely give um, to people in Carrickfergus. So there's a list of things that the food bank need uh, here, based here in Carrickfergus, that we would love you to bring to church starting from next week. Um, so check out the newsletter for some of those different ideas. But every Sunday for the next seven weeks, we're going to be sharpening our focus in on Jesus, um, exploring the seven I am 
am statements he makes about himself in the book of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. And I believe that during this period of Lent, God wants us to put a bit of thought and effort into focusing on Jesus. And I feel like he has some things for some of us that he wants maybe to give some people some brand new vision. When I got my glasses for the first time, it was like I was seeing everything perfectly. There was so much that I had been missing. And I think that that's what he wants to do. He wants to give you brand new vision. We can't continue life and not, um, not seeing Jesus. We'll actually see the world in such a new way. I think he wants to actually clean up um, our lenses. You know the way when you go to churches, like older people give you a wee sweet that you can suck on during the sermon? <laughs> well, Terry Cavan gives you a lens wipe. I don't understand. He just handed me a lens wipe one day on the way to church. I was thinking... Okay, that's unusual. That's not going to really sustain me through the sermon. But, um, but I believe that God actually does want to give you a lens wipe. That he, um, he wants to take what has sort of the daily grime um, off our lenses so that we can see him more clearly. And then also, I think, a bit like me, Jesus wants to change your prescription. We're maybe looking at Jesus with old lenses that are no longer serving um, us as they once did. God wants to give us a fresh, fresh perspective of who Jesus is. And this morning, we're going to look at the first of the I am statements. We're going to um, find in John 6, um, verse 22, or sorry, verse 25, if you want to turn to it in your Bibles. And Jill was going to read it for us, which was great because it was going to save my eyes. But unfortunately, she got called into work, so I'm going to have to read it. But luckily, I have my trusty now. Oh, look at that. Oh, this is amazing. Because the last time I read the Bible in church, I was like, I cannot see this. So there we go. So John chapter 6, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm going to take this off now. 
So I like to live my life um, by the wise words of that well-known sage of the modern age, Nigella Lawson, never knowingly under cater. This is the motto of the Moore family. Um, it should be on our family crest. Um, you bring shame on the family if you don't have leftovers after having people around your house and you need enough uh, leftovers to host the same amount of people the next day. And at the start of John 6, we read the story of Jesus taking two loaves and five fish and turning it into a meal for over 5,000 people with more than enough left over, 12 basketfuls to be precise. Jesus never knowingly under caters. And at the start of our reading in John 6, we see the impact this had on the, the, those 5,000 plus. Um, it left them wanting more so much so that they dropped all the things their normal day would have consisted of, got into boats and crossed the Sea of Galilee in search for Jesus. But what were they really searching for? And John 6 verse 26 says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And I love how one commentator put it, the crowd were moved not by full hearts, but by full bellies. Jesus quickly called out their motives for why they were chasing him across the lake. It wasn't more of Jesus they wanted, but more bread. And verse 14 of John 6 says that the people saw the sign that Jesus did. They had recognized it as something significant, but the priority was that um, they, they wanted to satisfy their, their physical hunger. They didn't understand why, our, why the bread was multiplied in the first place. And um, one theologian writes, instead of seeing in the bread the sign, they had seen in the sign only bread. Jesus wanted the miracle of the bread and fish to remind them of Exodus, of their ancestors 1,300 years previously, to remind them of the bread, the manna that was provided every day for 40 years in the wilderness, to remind them of their deliverance, to the, remind them of God's presence among them. And in Exodus 3, we read that God revealed himself to the people of Israel with the words, I am who I am. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. By naming himself, I am, God was revealing himself to Israel, letting them know that there has never been a time, nor will there be, when he will not be there. The multiplication of the bread by Jesus was a sign not just of power, look at the miracles I can do, nor was it just of compassion, providing for the physical needs of a hungry crowd. It was a revelation, a sign of presence. I am is here. God is with you. And Jesus has to explain to the crowd that the sign means I am. He is identifying himself as God and bearing God's presence on earth. As he says in verse 27, with the Father's seal of approval. God is amongst them, but the crowd can't see it because their focus is elsewhere. 
The crowd were so focused on what they thought their problem was, daily bread, and their solution to this daily provision of bread by Jesus, that they were missing Yahweh, they were missing I am in their midst. By looking for a miracle baker, they were missing that God was right in front of them. And I know in my life that there have been times that my focus has been on what I think I need, focusing on how I'm going to meet that need, frantically thinking or running around, maybe not quite going to the lengths of crossing the sea, but definitely focusing on my solutions, that I have missed the revelation of Jesus, that he is with me. And I wonder where in our lives we are missing a revelation of God with us. Jesus is in our midst. But because our focus is on what we feel we need and our efforts to get it, we're missing it. In a previous job, I had a 20-minute walk um, to work. And as I walked, um, I basically worried as I went. And I used to go over and over different things about my work situation in my mind. It was consuming my focus. It was all I could see. And at one point, I was reminded of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. As I walked, Black Mountain was in front of me, but all I could see was a mountain of worry. I was reminded to lift up my head from me, refocus my eyes and see that my help comes from the Lord, comes from I am, the one who is with me. Jesus wants to be seen by you. He wants you to focus on his face so you can know that he is I am, the one who is, always has been, always will be. So what is capturing our focus at the moment? And what I would love to invite you to do, um, if you would like to, is just take a minute and to lift up your head. You could close your eyes or whatever you want to do and ask Jesus to reveal himself for, to you. Yeah, Jesus, help us to see you. Okay, change of, uh, of move. Um, who likes a Subway sandwich? Who's likes it? Oh, right, Michael is definite. Okay, what's your favorite bread, Michael, when you go into Subway? Any of them? There's, you can get your Italian or, uh, what is it, hearty Italian or herb and cheese or wholemale. Um, but pre-2016, you would have found the ingredient, I have no idea how I'm going to say this, azodicarbonamide in your Subway sandwich. And this is a foaming agent that they added to their bread, helping to make their bread whiter and lighter and for longer, last for longer. And the chemical is also used in the manufacture of yoga mats um, to give them their spongy texture. So in 2016, Subway bread in the US was being nicknamed yoga mat bread. Mmm, tasty. Anyone fancy a Subway after church? I'll meet you. We're there, yep. So this chemical, as you now um, are probably thankful, is now banned in food and should be no longer found in your hearty 
Italian sub. Um, bread at its simplest is flour, water and yeast. There is no ingredient in there that will make it last longer than a day. And I wonder if the 12 baskets of leftover bread in John 6 had already gone mouldy or stale. The crowd was placing a high priority on finding Jesus to get more loaves of bread. They put all their focus and energy into tracking down Jesus, crossing the Sea of Galilee just to get more bread. But Jesus wanted the crowd to see that the solution they were seeking to the problem was at best a temporary one. They would be back to square one the following day. All their energy was going into something that would leave them hungry again. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Do not work for food that spoils. What they were focusing on, what they were putting their energy and their work into was doing something that, it was something that doesn't last, something temporary. They were pursuing only a temporary life. And Jesus wasn't dismissing their everyday needs. Daily bread is important. It wasn't frivolous what the crowd were looking for. It was survival for themselves, for their children, for their dependents. But Jesus is saying that there is something deeper within us that also needs fed, something that bread won't touch. And in Matthew 16, verse 26, Jesus said, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus is concerned with the feeding of souls. So if you were to describe what a soul is like, what would you say? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you. Previously, I had thought it was a bit ethereal, otherworldly, but I've come to see it as something of more substance and weight. And Dallas Willard describes the soul like an inner stream of water which gives strength, direction, harmony to every other element of our lives. And that's why Jesus says, is anything worth more than our soul? And why he wants to show us that it needs just as much nourishing as our stomachs. But yet, like the crowd, our focus can be consumed with satisfying the temporary, everyday things of life. While we are trying to gain all this world has to offer, education, knowledge, status, money, respect, fun, long life, beauty, our souls are starving. These things alone cannot nourish the deepest part of ourselves. They will leave us hungry at the end of every day. And the message translation of Matthew 16 has always hit me really hard. It says, what kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? We can get everything we ever want and still lose. Our whole lives are satisfied when our souls are connected to God as the source of life, as the bread of life, strengthening and directing us. But when they are not connected to the source, when we are not drawing life from God, our souls are unsatisfied and forever hungry. How is your soul doing? 
When was the last time you considered how your soul is doing? And how do we even do that? And here's the irony. I think one thing that helps us discover the condition of our soul is actually the practice of fasting. Throughout um, a substantial part of church history, it was common practice for Christians to fast every Wednesday and Friday every week. Um, And over this six-week period of Lent to fast from food from sunrise to sunset every day, I heard recently that actually the Christian practice of Lent is what inspired Ramadan. And I don't know if that's true, but I thought that was interesting, the fasting during Ramadan. With the exception of Sabbath, because that was a day of celebration and you didn't fast. And the whole practice has somewhat weakened in our culture, if not completely disappeared. Um, And we don't have time today to go into the ins and outs of fasting. I would point you to to Richard Foster and Practice in the Way to go more in depth in that. But briefly, fasting is not a commandment. It's a helpful spiritual practice. Jesus assumed his disciples would fast. And it was traditionally understood to be from food, but... People um, who are more learned than me take different positions on what actually constitutes as fasting and abstinence. And obviously you have to take it into consideration if there's any health conditions that you have. But fasting is, as Richard Foster writes, God-centered, God-initiated, and God-ordained. It's God-centered, God-initiated, God-ordained. Jesus needs to be at the middle of it. But one of the secondary purposes of fasting is that it reveals how our souls are doing, what things have a hold on us that have got our focus instead of Jesus. The crowd's lack of bread in John 6 made them search out and go to Jesus. And it was in their lack that Jesus wanted to reveal to them their greater need, nourishment for their souls. Could God um, be inviting you into a time of fasting in order to reveal your soul's cry for nourishment? And over Lent, I think God is inviting us to see what we are trying to nourish our souls with. We could see that we are focusing on superficial, temporary things, a bit like traditional bread of water, flour and yeast, harmless, but leaves us empty and hungry the next day. But also I think he wants to reveal that some of the things that we are pursuing, setting our focus on, whilst they look healthy and good for us, they're really the equivalent of yoga mat bread, toxic and damaging for our souls. As we discover how our souls are doing and we choose to seek Jesus for what nourishment he has for us, I believe that Isaiah 55 verse 2 will be our experience. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Your soul will delight. This is what Jesus wants, what he is offering to the crowd in John 6 and to us. Nourishment for the soul that is the richest, the finest, the most satisfying. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
Jesus wants to reveal himself as I am, God in our midst. He wants to give us a deeper nourishment that satisfies our souls. And this nourishment is life forever, eternal life. Do not, verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Food that endures to eternal life. Jesus is lifting our focus away from only a temporary life and instead offering us eternal life. So the question that raised in me when I read verse 27 was, what is eternal life? What does it look like? And when I googled images of eternal life, it was blue skies with fluffy crowds or stairways or roads with bright lights at the end of it, or this frightening one. Who wants to go on a trip to eternal life? I was like, that is really scary. And Google seems to think, generally think of eternal life as a future prospect, something that begins when we die. And later in John 17, verse 3, Jesus tells us what eternal life is. And there is no mention of a stairway to heaven. So now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God and Jesus. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this is not a superficial knowing. It's not a, uh, but a deep knowing. And one of my favorite Bible passages and prayers for my life is found in Philippians 3, verse 10. And the NIV, it simply says, I want to know Christ. But the Amplified translation expands it out a bit to this. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person, more strongly and more clearly. Paul's focus isn't a casual focus like, oh, I know Jesus, I met him at a friend's house a couple of times. Paul knows that um, he will find life in knowing Jesus in a deep and intimate way, a knowing that leads us to recognize and understand Jesus more clearly. Eternal life isn't about praying a sinner's prayer one time. It is the beginning of a conversation with Jesus, the one who was and is and always will be. It's about discovering and understanding the creator of the universe, the creator of us. It's about getting to know God who died for our sins so that we can have a life that is not temporary, but one that will last. And neither do we have to wait until we die to walk the stairway to heaven to access, access eternal life. Knowing Jesus is available now. And I love how one writer has put it. Eternal life is a present tense possession. Eternal life is a present tense possession. Knowing God is for now. Our souls don't have a hungry wait. Jesus is wanting to be known now. In response to Jesus talking about eternal life in verse 27, the crowd asks, what must we do to do the works God requires? The crowd are asking, how do they get this eternal life? How do they earn it? How do they work for it? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. 
We don't work for or earn this eternal life. And Romans 6 verse 23 says the gift of God is eternal life. Knowing Jesus is a gift given to those who believe in Jesus. Those who absolutely trust Jesus to satisfy their souls fully and forever will have eternal life. As we embrace this eternal life of knowing Jesus, our soul, our inner stream, as Willard calls it, draws from Jesus the source of life, which will strengthen, direct, and bring peace to our lives, not just until tomorrow morning, but for eternity. Even after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 and the 12 basketfuls of leftovers, the crowd remained hungry and unsatisfied. Jesus, however, had not knowingly undercatered. He was just catering something else. Jesus is the revelation of God in our midst, bringing life that satisfies our souls forever. Are we hungry? Are we dissatisfied? Does our soul cry out for the nourishment of knowing Jesus? Or are we too stuffed with yoga mat bread for us to know? As we enter Lent and walk the path that leads us to the cross and on to the empty tomb, let us invite Jesus to reveal himself, maybe for the first time or maybe for the 5,000th. To invite him to feed our soul with the bread of life, with knowing Jesus. Could we make verse 34 of John 6 our desire and our prayer? Sir, always give us this bread. Yeah, Jesus, give us yourself, the only bread that satisfies. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Carrickfergus Vineyard podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at carrickfergusvineyard.org.